Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. We are back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. Whether you go yellow or white, sweet or savory, grits are a southern food staple now popping up on menus all over the country. Food writer Aaron Byers-Murray goes deep in grits, a cultural and culinary journey through the South. She talks with growers and millers and chefs to understand the origins and evolution and significance of grits, and along the way examines how race, gender, and politics simmer in the significance of grits. Aaron Byers-Murray joins us now on the line from Nashville. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, you were born in Augusta, but spent most of your life outside of the South, not eat, growing up eating grits. <laughs> but, but you do open the book with an anecdote about your family's, um, let's say, less traditional use for grits. Can you, <laughs> can you share that story? Of course. So um, we were... We had moved from Augusta, and we were in Spartanburg at the time, and I was about seven or eight years old, and distinctly remember, we had a, an issue with red ants. You know, that's, that's one of the things about living in the South. You have critters. Um, but we had some red ants crawling on our patio, and my father pulled out a box of instant grits, and he pours a little line of instant grits right along the line of red ants that were trying to come into our house. And we all come out about 20 minutes later, and all I see are these little ant bodies, like exploded popcorn along the patio. Oh my goodness. And, you know, from that point on, I just thought, you know, I was not, I was a little turned off by grits. <laughs> <laughs> but do you did eventually, you left the South, then you moved back to the South. What was it that changed your mind about grits? <laughs> Well, mostly my mother-in-law, <laughs> who actually prepared grits uh, when I first started coming to visit them. They lived in Knoxville at the time, and she would make grits every time we visited for for weekend breakfast, and, and her grits were phenomenal. They were, you know, uh, piles of luscious corn, and you could pour butter on them, and it was just that, that, that kind of brought me back um, to understanding that they are this, they can be this really delicious staple. So you got turned around on grits, and this is something that we're hearing a lot more about grits on, you know, fancy menus, and this traditionally had been food of the poor, but you spoke with chef and restaurateur Sean Brock, who told you, grits are the ultimate expression of terroir. Now, this is a French <laughs> word, mostly associated with wine. Can you tell us what it means, terroir in grits? Yes. Well, what he was referring to really was this idea that, you know, he was getting his grits from small batch uh, millers and producers. And the corn that they were milling was their heirloom varieties of corn that that are now being um, starting to be revived and grown in different parts of the South. And and so what he was saying is that you could taste the difference between, you know, a corn, a, a blue corn that's milled a certain way and a red corn that's milled a certain way. Um, and those corns, depending on where they were grown, can evoke the flavors of the soil that they're grown in and the, the location that they're, they're um, that they can bring with them. And so, what he was getting at was just like wine, you know, you can you, grits are really just a ground corn product, and so you're essentially getting all the flavors that the corn, you know, the corn brings when it where from where it's grown. Well, okay, so we're hearing that more from foodie people, that you can taste terroir in chocolate or you can taste where coffee is grown. Can you really taste a bowl of grits and say, oh, that's from North Carolina? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to pinpoint where, personally. <laughs> he might, but um, I, no, I think that, I think there is something to, if you wanted to taste 
these, like I said, these small batch millers and, and growers who are, um, who are creating grits from different varieties of corn. If you were to cook them the same, taste them side by side, you would, you would taste a little nuance and a little different. Okay, for a lot of people, grits are either light yellow grain uh, that that come in a package of Quaker instant grits, like mm-hmm. like we're used for the fire ants. Are those real grits? They are. They absolutely are. I mean, the the thing is, you know, instant grits, the the way that they're processed, it just they're, they're a lot of things are stripped out of the corn. Um, and so you do get the corn in there, but you also have other nutrients that are put back into it. So um, they're, they are grits and, and they're totally viable um, and they feed a lot of people. So um, they are. But what we're seeing now are, you know, different varieties coming up and different producers making them. So you write that this book was a part of an intentional quest to understand and appreciate the South. Why were grits the vehicle for uh, sliding into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, anytime I'm in a new place, a new region, um, or traveling or getting to know a place that I've just moved to, I'm, I'm always fascinated by learning through about that place through its food. And when I got to the South, uh, get back to the South, really, um, I realized that, you know, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand and wanted to, to better understand, including our history and um, and a lot of different d- cultural differences between where I had been living and, and where I was living now. So for me, the, anytime you dig into a, a food story or, or research a food topic or food history, you start to uncover these, you know, these little stories that maybe um, wouldn't come up in, in daily life. And so for me, it, the research allowed me to really not just talk about food and think about where this physical product was coming from, but really to understand the people who had been ushering it um, throughout history, but also into our modern era. Mm-hmm. Well, you did a similar thing with Shucked, your, your book about oysters in the past. But this is a whole different region of the world. And but, but let's go back to that origins of grits. What did you learn about where they come from and how far back we can trace them? Yeah, well, I think so many people associate them with the southeast um, of the United States. But what I learned and what I started in a lot of research and rabbit hole digging, um, you know, you can actually trace it back to the origins of corn. So, you know, corn starts is starting to get cultivated nine or 10,000 years ago in uh, central Mexico. And there's evidence of these hand tools that are like a, you know, a rudimentary mortar and pestle um, grinding mechanism that um, people would use to, and there's, you know, evidence that they were using that with corn. And so right when corn is, you know, being cultivated and brought along, people are grinding the kernels and I'm making the leap, but I'm guessing they're also putting those kernels with water, heating them over a fire and, and creating a porridge. You know, that's basically the, the basic origins of, of where it started. And of course, they move along with the corn itself, um, but they arrive, they, you know, corn doesn't really arrive in the U.S. until, or the southeastern U.S. until about 2,000 years ago. So, so we, you know, we attribute it to this region, but really it goes back much further. Well, and it now is the official prepared food of the state of Georgia, grits. How did, <laughs> how did grits become southern in particular? Well, I think that, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of theories about, you know, why a certain dish sticks to a certain area. Um, in, in the South especially, I think that, unfortunately, our history with slavery um, kind of 
brought it closer to this region. Um, grits were, like many things, kind of a fuel food, and they um, were inexpensive, and you could grow the corn and also grind it. Um, and so, you know, massive numbers of people were using that as sustenance in this part of the country, um, and it sticks. And it, it's it's not just food of one race. It's It really was the food of everybody because you know, the if enslaved communities were eating it, people in the big house were eating it, and and it ends up sort of throughout you know time, it kind of migrates with with all classes and all races. Um, but I think because so many people were eating that as sustenance in this part of the country, it it kind of got its its sticking point here in the southeast. We're talking about grits, a culinary and culture. I'm sorry, a cultural and culinary journey through the South. It's a new book by my guest, food writer Aaron Byers Murray. Well, the the that question about origins is a big discussion in food in general, but especially about Southern food right now. And as you said, as you're uncovering this story, so much more gets revealed. You write in the book, name any dish that is considered Southern, trace it back far enough, and you will unearth stories of theft, slavery, appropriation, and lost. It's the questions we, we've talked about a lot on this program. Who can say what is Southern food, and does anybody own grits? But is that, for your purposes, as you were discovering this, the right question? Well, I don't believe it is because it, it, you cannot put in ownership on this, you know, it, it, if you if you try to, it does, it gets sticky. <laughs> and so, I, I think what it the the bigger question is like, why is this? Um, how does this dish become so universal? Because it really is beyond the it's beyond who owns it and who eats it every day and who's allowed to prepare it. You know, it's much more about you know how can we share this dish and how can we share the stories of this dish and because. Eventually, it's it's a common ground, right? Well, th- I would hope so. I mean, you de- but we did talk about, you know, it was Central Americans moved to the United States. It was a Native American dish, um, a dish of, as you said, uh, the, the, the enslaved people and the people living in the big house. So there's an evolution here. But you just said, who's allowed to prepare it? I, I, I'd love to know more about that. Who often ends up preparing grits? <laughs> well, now um, we're seeing, you know, it's really showing up on so many fine dining menus. Um, it is, it's being sort of vaulted <laughs> into um, into fine dining by um, by chefs, and many of them are, are male. Um, and uh, traditionally, you know, uh, it was women who were the ones cooking this dish and and bringing it, you know, along through history. Um, they were probably the ones growing the corn, and then they were also the ones grinding it and then cooking it. Um, but in, you know, probably this, around the 80s, uh, grits became a popular dish. Um, and it has since kind of turned into, you know, been, been brought into other hands. That's, you know, not to say that we can't go back and honor and celebrate the women who brought it this far. Um, but I think that right now what you're seeing is just it's a lot more, uh, it's getting a lot of other kinds of attention because it's being put on fine dining room tables. Mm-hmm. Which I think is funny to me. I remember, uh, you know, seeing somebody eating polenta in an Italian restaurant and saying that, you know, this used to be the food of peasants. And, mm-hmm. and there's a way that like this cheap lobster used to be the food of the poor. It's very interesting how these things have evolved. And you, 
talk to some of these grits gurus <laughs> along the way, <laughs> you know, uh, um, from Anson Mills, you know, growers, millers, cooks, people who are spending a lot of time and energy elevating, as you said, vaulting grits. What did you learn from them about how they are regarding this food that is simple and how are they keeping it true to its origins? Well, I think what many of, uh, of the growers and millers today, especially those, um, the ones you mentioned, Anson Mills, um, another, you know, Geechee Boy Mill, it, you know, they really are looking at it as, a, you know, the farming element. So, so they're looking at the corn product itself, um, and they're trying to revive these historic grains that almost disappeared, basically, um, because they had been bred out or they had, you know, been replaced by um, GMO crops. And so, you know, these corns and these varieties, which they're trying to to plant and grow and use and, you know, be able to, to regenerate, um, it, it is a nod back to the past. It's a nod back to how, how you know, before industrialization and before um, modern milling became such a, a a big industry, um, you know, this was what, you know, growers, you know, cooks, gardeners were doing. This is, they were growing corn in their garden. They were taking it to the mill and they were, you know, eat, this was the sustenance, you know? Um, so in some ways they're honoring that, uh, in other ways they're creating products that, you know, are now a little higher price. Yeah. I was going to say that's a <laughs> six to $10 bag of grits yeah, instead yeah. of a, a, you know, a dollar 89 at the supermarket, which of course there's a big difference in those two. Yeah. Uh, and I think, but I think what you, you also see, uh, you know, in, in a lot of my understanding and research, you know, 99% of people who are eating grits right now <laughs> are eating Quaker, Jim Dandy, Aunt Jemima, you mm -hmm. know, they are still eating the, the, box of grits that you can find on the shelf and they're not all instant they're all you know they have old-fashioned grits they have slow cooking grits so it's you know that what most people are actually getting is what you find in the grocery store um, these small batch producers I think are doing their part but we have to understand that with that comes the price of their their work yeah that so much gets revealed there's so many little details about grits big moment in politics when uh, President Jimmy Carter <laughs> ran for the White House the national media scrutinized his dietary habits. You, you know, call out and look at your own whiteness and, and the weight of researching this book. But I'm wondering about, you know, what were some of the assumptions that you maybe set out with that were dismantled along the way? Or what were you most surprised to learn about grits? I really, I think um, the history of, of where grits come from and that they're you know, there is such a Native American influence on, on this dish and so many of our foodways um, that are unacknowledged uh, was a big, you know, that was a big learning curve for me and understanding, you know, how you, you, you assume grits and the naming of grits and, and where grits start and, and go to, you know, you just assume that it's got a locational, um, you know, relationship. But, but my, my, my big learning was not only that, not only how deep the history goes, but also that it, it has become such a universal uh, dish. I mean, you can find a version of grits, a corn-based porridge in cultures all over the planet, you know, it, all over the world. So, um, so really it's, it's that going from, you know, attributing what we can, you know, how, how much we can to the, the people who actually got it to this point 
Um, and then understanding now that it's not one groups or one um, region's food and identity, it really can be a universal product. Well, we do also have a, a recipe. You, you make a call to action. Tell people it's time to go out and buy a bag of stone ground grits from a local <laughs> mill and to make them and offer a basic recipe, which we are going to post on our website at gpbnews.org. Super quick, what's your favorite way to eat grits? Oh, shrimp and grits, always. A Creole version, yes. Sausage, some andouille, shrimp, mushrooms, that's my favorite. <laughs> All right, Aaron Byers-Murray, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thanks for having me. That's the food writer Aaron Byers-Murray. Her most recent book is called Grits, A Cultural and Culinary Journey Through the South. Her recipe for good grits at gpbnews.org. Now, you can always join our conversation on our Facebook group. What's your favorite way to prepare grits? GPB Radio's On Second Thought. We're also on Twitter at OST Talk. And that's our show for today. On Second Thought is produced by Sira, Sirpa Brock's daughter, Jan Rowell's daughter, Yolanda Love Palmer's daughter, and also Sean Rose Kylie's daughter is our senior producer. Irma Smith's son is our editor. I'm Patricia Prescott's daughter. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. Go sing some waterfalls. Open some chocolates, smell some flowers, make some breakfast, do whatever. Enjoy yourself, and we'll be back on Monday with more of On Second Thought. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.